everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. This week, we continue conversations with our Difference Maker Award winners. These are leaders we're recognizing for the great impact they're making in their organizations on their continuous improvement journeys. Last week, Dr. Xavier De La Torre, Superintendent of Athleta Independent School District in El Paso, joined us. And today, I'm excited for you to meet another one of our Difference Maker Award winners, Mark Belang. Mark is the Superintendent of Portage Public Schools in Portage, Michigan. Mark has led the district in Portage since 2013. Prior to that, he served as superintendent of Pawpaw Public Schools for 18 years. He served as a high school principal before that. Mark began partnering with Studer Education in 2016. He's deeply committed to continuous improvement. And over the years, he has focused on leadership development, developing always actions for consistent continuous improvement, and bringing professional development to all sectors of the organization. Mark also demonstrates a commitment to listen to students, valuing their input. As the district identified and defined values, they brought students into that process, creating a superintendent student advisory board where student input was collected. Their voices were prioritized and helped shape school culture. We'll discuss this more today, as well as his collaborative leadership style. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Mark Belang to our show today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Janet. Good to be with you. So let's kick off. Um, I know you were just uh, presenting with us at What's Right in Education, and I had an opportunity to participate in um, in your session, and love the love the the theme of your session around student input. So let's start with um, the the idea that you created a an input process with your student advisory board um, and that you highly value them in that process. So can you tell us a little bit about the advisory board and why the students played an important part in in your values team? Yeah, let me go back first a little bit. You know, I've I've been using advisory boards, student advisory boards since my days as a uh, high school principal. I remember when I first formed a student advisory team at that level, and it was it was really an ability uh, and a desire for me to connect with with students in a more formal way. Um, you know, as high school principal, you get you get to interact with students um, every day, you know, throughout the course of the day. But I never really had a formal mechanism to uh, to meet with students and, and in a structured uh, kind of a format. So, so this is a practice that that I've carried over into the superintendency. Um, probably not as early as I would have liked to, you know, but I've always had either my own children in school, which gave me access to students and we could have conversations. But but five or six years ago, uh, I formed the student advisory board and it's it's made out of made up of uh, a couple dozen students, 24 students that represent our two high schools. Um, it's a cross section of students by grade, by gender by interest level. So I, I don't have a, a homogeneous grouping. It really is intended to represent the diversity of our student body. So I, I go into it with that to, to hear the voice of students. I've, I've always found student voice to be fascinating because they, they tell you what's really 
in their heart and, and, and on their mind. And, I, and you don't always get that in, in leadership roles, but students are, are very um, free with their thinking and, and really are open to offering ideas. So that's, that's really the, the, the group that I meet with. I meet with them on a, on a monthly basis and uh, we explore any variety of topics that are on their mind. Um, sometimes I have them meet with our central office administrative team to understand the functions that we provide, uh, the services that we provide out to our schools and to our students. So it's, it's really a good mechanism to, to both convey information out as well as to hear different things that are on their mind. So when, when we first got into developing or organizing our district values team, um, which was a pretty broad team, and we can talk about that later, but uh, one of the things that I found was absent from that, from that team was student voice. So we figured out a way to, early on in the process, engage with our students, initially through my student advisory board, and then later through some of the surveys and that that we took in doing some of the work around you know, launching our values uh, initiative. So that's, that's kind of setting the stage for, for that group became a very important part of the process. Yeah, so um, so let's talk a little bit more about that values work. I know the timing of that was intentional for you and you're launching your next hundred years, you know, trying to build the clear identity, a common value, a shared definition of equity. Um, tell us a little bit about the stakeholder involvement in that development process and, you know, wh why that's so important to you, Mark. So we were, we were really looking, as we were celebrating our, our 100th anniversary as a district, we were looking for how do we take a look at our past and honor our past. Um, and, and so the idea of we have never surfaced values in our district. We've never really come to, uh, to, a, uh, to a list of values that will help guide our decision making. You know, we had, we had values at, at different programs. Uh, you know, our international baccalaureate program, each of our schools had values, but we never really collectively sifted through all that information to come up with something that had in common for the district. And we wanted to do something that was also unifying. You know, when you have, in our case, two high schools in our district, uh, people kind of polarize around geographically around where those schools are. And there's a uh, there's little district unity around that. So we, we thought that, that surfacing these values was important to that process to begin re unifying our two high schools, our eight elementary schools and our three middle schools. The process that we, that we put together was very involved in, in getting participation from our various stakeholders, our students, our staff, our parents and the, and the community at large. So, so that process was developed. And at the same time, we started thinking, well, what else does this process apply to? especially as we celebrate our 100 year, but knowing that we're moving into the future. So that's where this idea of let's create a declaration statement, this, this aspirational statement for what, what do we want it to have to, to commit to, to begin getting us closer to the board's broader vision that can serve us in the short term as we launch into the second 100 years of existence. So that's where this concept of a declaration statement came about. And then we said, oh, by the way, since we're going to be engaging with all these folks, the board has been wrestling with this issue of equity and what does equity mean in our district? What role does the board have to play in that? What role does the district have to play? 
So we said, as long as we're doing this work, we're, we're, we're pulling together this team and getting this input, let's address all three of these. So we did more than just values. Mm -hmm. we, we created two other components that we feel are, are equally as important in the district. So, you know, just connecting it back to students. So I love the love the process and love how it evolved. And I think that's where you, you're so strong is you go in with a certain certain frame of reference in terms of what you're trying to accomplish, but you allow the input to, uh, to, to take you where you know a process needs to go. But just curious, connecting it back to students, can you share like what were some of their ideas or, you know, what did they say? What was, what was their input? What's important to them? You know, they were able to look at this through a student lens and the behaviors that they see amongst themselves. So different than what we as adults see behaviors like, you know, we're looking at adult behaviors. They're looking more from, at student behaviors. And so I, I think it, it gets it gets right through the complexities of what we as a, a, adults feel. And, and, you know, how do we treat one another? You know, they started having conversations around that. You know, I remember, uh, you know, sitting around and we usually sit in a circle of some sort, uh, sitting around and, and the kids just talking about experiences that they had had or had seen and how those things related, how those experiences related to, to values that we were talking about. So I don't have any specific comments in mind that were made, yeah. but all I know they were, they were, they were, you know, really coming from their heart. And, and based on what they were seeing back in their buildings. Yeah, you know, it just reminds me years ago, um, you know, I, I uh, taught high school as well and coached um, tennis. And one of the things that I would do with the tennis team is before we would start, you know, we would talk about how are we gonna, how are we gonna function as a team together? And how do we, we had conversations about how do we set those ground rules with each other? And what does that mean? And how do, if you have, I have some of mine, you have some of yours, you know, as students, and let's pull those together and then let's agree that that's the way we're going to work together as a team and what we're going to commit to, you know, so then when, when it got to a point where somebody violated a rule, so to speak, or a team rule, you know, we could, we could always connect it back to what we had defined together, which made my job a lot easier. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because at one of our first meetings, uh, we established meeting norms and the kids did that themselves. We, um, we generated a lot of ideas, synthesized those ideas and, and came up with a half a dozen meeting norms that they hold themselves accountable to. And so they were familiar with this kind of work, at least those students that had been part of the, the, uh, the student advisory board for, you know, for those years um, were familiar with how we got there. So they were um, they were comfortable in having these conversations and and it's interesting how some of the same norms that they had created um, kind of how they translate into the current values that we have uh, come yeah. up with so yeah uh, it's yeah they're good at doing it too i mean they really are you know we we sometimes underestimate them they are uh, they can really provide great input so i just um, congratulate you for, for for listening to them and hearing their voices so as you think about the, the work that you've done, the values work that you, you've done, if, um, and think about your reflections on, on how it went in Portage, you know, what, what advice would you give to others if they wanted to tackle the same type of work? To me, um, I guess the, the advice I would, I would really give is, is around the whole idea of process, that the process is sometimes much more important than the product. You know, the engaging people, in, in the conversations 
being part of, of observing the journey that happens, you know, is much more important than oftentimes where you end up. I mean, you can commit to words on a page. That's an easy thing to do. Um, you can do that in a small group. But as you extend that work to others and and engage in that process throughout the, the you know the duration of surfacing whatever it is you're going to be surfacing is make sure that you have a process and keep your focus there rather than on the finished product. That's a, yeah. that's that, that's where I, I really distill this all this work down down to. Um, you know, you'll get the results that you want if you create a process that, and I don't even mean to say what you want. You'll get the desired results however you define that, if your process is well thought out. Yeah. And, you know, I think as you, I love that. I mean, just because it's what you do, um, the conversations that you have, the way you engage with each other. And, you know, Mark, I know what it, what it does for you too, is it, it's built great trust, you know, with, with the people that you lead in your organization. Some people ask like, how do I do that? Like there's some magic dust or something that comes down that we can build trust, but it's really through those types of engaged conversations that you're talking about with stakeholders. So, you know, uh, still a little bit on the same topic, but a, but a little of, of a shift. And KK always talks about you as being kind of a model learning leader, you know, as you're, you're always participating with your team, um, you're in there learning with them. Um, and uh, not, you know, you're, you're participating, you're the learner, and you allow them to, 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 to engage in discussions and, and really provide input, and you sit there alongside them. You know, just how does that help you lead? When you do that, how does that help you lead others? So, you know, as I participate with, with others in, in, this, uh, in, in, lear- in the whole learning process, um, one of the things that that I found over my years as a, as a district leader is how you participate is, is critically important. For example, if, if I'm in a, in a meeting and where we're generating ideas or trying to come up with a solution, if I chime into that conversation too early, it tends to bog down, things stop. Um, people feel that everything that's, that's, that's been said is all that needs to be said. And so I've been much more conscious about how I enter into conversations in, in giving my own opinion about things. Um, you know, not that I don't have opinions, but certainly interjecting those ideas and opinions too early, you know, especially for, you know, if you're doing that from a leadership position, People think that's that's where we have to go. That's the end, and they latch onto that, and we lose creativity. We lose other options that we might have. So um, that's one of the things I've been very mindful of as I've gone through through meetings is to make sure that 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 I'm not dominating the meetings that happen. Um, yeah, shared leadership in our in our weekly team meetings where different people take roles, take that leadership role for a month. And uh, there are certain expectations of everyone at every meeting. So, you know, I try to share in that. So it's, it's not just me leading a group. Everyone has an opportunity to be leading. Yeah. That's so good. It's so hard. You know, I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I still have to learn how to do that. And that's probably one of the most difficult things for, for me to do personally in leadership. I, I'm, I'm a visionary, you know, that's probably my, one of my 
biggest strengths, I think, is I can, I, I have a vision and can see that and like to paint that picture for people and then want the input. But it's the balance between like, when I say something, people say, okay, that's what we should do, right? And I'm like, no, that's not what we should do. <laughs> Just painting a picture to get reaction and input, right? Exactly. It's I, not to go do. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times where I've, I've like suggested something just as you know contributing to a conversation and the next day I see something being implemented I'm going wait a minute I was just throwing wait. that up there as an idea so it's really you know it's really causing me to stop and really like yeah really be careful about that yeah yeah and you have to really be planned you know you don't and you want to I know you are a visionary you can build that vision so that's important too but it really is trying to find that balance um and how you how you manage that. You know, I want to go talk a, a little bit more about that because the other thing that, again, KK always um, talks about is that you, when she provides, for example, service excellence training with your staff, that you're just sitting, sitting there right with them, with the, with the, and being a participant with your staff. Um, you know, why does this matter to you? What, what, what's important to you about being there with them? Part of it is, um, you know, it's kind of walking the talk. You know, when you as a leader show up at trainings, LDIs in this case, and by the way, KK just does a marvelous job with our teams. I mean, she's developed a lot of credibility and the, the value she brings to the table is, uh, is really wonderful. And so that being an aside, showing the, you know, showing the different employee groups that this work is important. And if I can do that by being in a meeting, attending a meeting and participating to some degree, um, it certainly, I think, demonstrates to them that this is important work. But beyond that, it also gives me the opportunity to sit and, and, and see what's happening in that room. I mean, I can take a look at body language. I can take a look at comments that are being made. Um, it gives me some insight as, as to where the roadblocks are and where the struggles might be so that I can sometimes ask a question that, you know, that I can, that can clarify, um, especially if we're implementing a new practice or expecting people to go away with something. And if they're not asking the right questions, it gives me the opportunity to, to ask a question that they might feel uncomfortable asking or not, not sure how to phrase. So, you know, so it both sends a message that mm -hmm. this work is important and it allows me to step in the shoes of those that are coming to the meeting, whether it be our secretarial group, um, you know, our other building level leaders, middle management, or employees in the administration building. It gives me that chance to, to look at it through their lens and see what kind of reaction is happening so that we can do a better job at the central office level to support them as they implement the work we're doing. Yeah, so good. You know, I, I think if if more leaders would take that time, I, I, I mean, that's so being there with them and support is one thing. But what I hear you say is you're really learning from them. You're learning from from how they're interacting, what their questions are, um, looking at at ways that you can take that information back to your team, I'm sure, and really understand how you continue to to move the district forward. That's um, that's really good. Mark, I mean, I think it's really, really important. And if we, you know, sometimes people are so busy and they just continue to do kind of their executive superintendent work, but just sitting back and really, really reflecting and processing and listening is really important. I, I know that your, your employees appreciate that. And you, as we close today, you know, just 
thinking back over your decades of leadership and where you where you are and where you've been and where you'll go, you know, what, what advice would you give other executive level leaders? So I, I, there are a couple things that come to mind. Um, the first is around this notion of uh, don't over participate. Sometimes, you know, we're expected to have all the answers to everything and, and we're used to chiming in and making comments, but I'd say don't feel compelled to talk about everything that's on your mind. You know, look for those, those opportunities that, uh, that really adds to the conversation that helps clarify a, a point or two, but don't dominate, you know, meetings. You know, it's, it's, it's just uh, feel comfortable in being in silence sometimes. You don't have to fill those gaps. Uh, sometimes those gaps are good. And uh, people are, just because they're not talking doesn't mean they're not thinking. And, uh, you know, you start talking when people are thinking and it interrupts the thinking process. So, so that's what I mean by this, don't, uh, don't over-participate. Um, the, the second thing I would say is look for opportunities to keep conversations moving forward. Um, sometimes conversations stop, not because uh, they're finished, but because they need a, a spark or something to keep things going, to keep the conversation going. So I think that's another thing uh, as a leader, we need to look for those times when this topic needs more discussion. How can I keep this going? And, and lastly is something I said earlier is, is try to put yourself in the shoes of the learner. You know, how you know, we see it from our perspective, but you know, when you're in a room full of bus drivers or custodians, what's that lens look like when you're talking about this issue? Uh, we don't often do a good job of putting ourselves in their shoes. So that's another one uh, that I would suggest people, you know, try to at least be aware of as you're having these conversations and these uh, meetings or leadership development institutes, whatever uh, the case might be, is getting their perspective, making sure you understand that. Yeah, so good. You know, Mark, you, you truly have the art and the science of the craft of leadership. And, you know, as I'm talking to you, I've had a chance to have conversations with you in the past, but really enjoyed our interview today because there are things that we can teach and there are things that we can't. And what you bring to the table as a leader is, is, is the art. It's the art of being connected to human beings and having true care and concern um, for them and just your style and manner about that and, and just the, the good person that you are. If we could just have, if we had more of you, you know, if we could just help people in the profession coming in and new superintendents to help them know how important that is to really bring people together and have the human connection in our organizations and true care and concern. Um, that's a great contribution that you make to our field. So I thank you for that. Well, thank you very much for those kind comments. That's, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's nice to hear that. It's not always easy work that we're called on to do. and. And uh, sometimes we don't see ourselves as as others see us, and so it's. I think you just illustrated that, you know, the you know, the reason why affirmation and recognition are are critical to the work we do, so that we see the value that others bring to the work. So thank you for that. Appreciate yeah. it very much. Absolutely. So thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to seeing you soon, Mark. Take care. Thanks. Talk to you soon. I so enjoyed the conversation that I've had with Mark today. He is such a, a genuine 
leader that shows great care and concern and also achieves positive results. Uh, it's just been a great pleasure to work with Mark over these years, and I look forward to continuing our work together. As always, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Performance. Please feel free to share this episode with a friend or colleague you think will find today's topic meaningful. Also, we love hearing from you. Feel free to leave us feedback on the podcast. You can send me an email, j-p-i-l-c-h-e-r at h-c-g.com. Or you can email our podcast producer, Mary Stackhouse Consoli at m s t a c k h o u s e at h c g dot com. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.